What's up, you guys? I am Micah Folsom, and you're listening to the Do Your Crap Podcast. I was overwhelmed, uninspired, and unfulfilled, and I knew there had to be a different way to do life. Turns out, there totally is. And I found my calling in helping people learn and do the unsexy habits that build a legendary life. Each and every week, I'm going to help you bust through the crap that's holding you back and break down the simple habits and mindset shifts that will help you rock every aspect of your life. Are you ready to do the things that most people won't so that you can live the life that most people can't? Here we go. Welcome back to the Do Your Crap Podcast. This is your host, Micah Folsom, and we have an awesome guest with us today. We have got Jen Hope, and she is an executive and leadership coach for impactful startup leaders. She has a background as the vice president of marketing for multiple high growth startup companies. And she understands the complexity of startup leadership. She uses evidence-based tools and frameworks to help clients make sustained behavior change. She is a mental health advocate and is passionate about creating safe spaces for females and neurodivergent people in startup and corporate leadership. Clients that go through Jen's coaching will tell you Jen supports them in building systems and habits that improve life and leadership. They love the sharp insights, the structure, and the accountability that comes from her coaching. Y'all, she is speaking my love language with the leadership, the habits, the systems, all of the things you know I love. So get your notebooks out and let's dive into this conversation. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Jen, welcome to the show. I am so, 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 so excited to dig into all of this with you today. Um, Before we do, before we get into the meat, just kind of tell our listeners who you are, a little bit about your story so that they can kind of understand who they're hearing from today. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to go way, way back. I was born in Chicago. (laughs) Born in Chicago. Uh, I now reside in the Seattle area. Um, where as we record today, it is doing its most Seattle behavior and dropping us in rain. Um, and so, uh, let's see a little bit more about me. I spent the first 20 years of my career working in whatever was leading the newest edge of marketing. So started in what was called database marketing back in the day, uh, really spent then time in the search engine world and the agency world and building brands and landed in Seattle and started building startup companies and working on growth marketing in that world of scaling technology companies. Um, and then, yeah, so that was like the first career pivot, um, that was a side hustle and became now my full-time role eight years ago and became an executive coach, saw a world where a lot of startup folks were given these incredible roles, entrepreneurs given these incredible roles to run companies and were not fully equipped to be Mm -hmm. leaders, to be in this world of leadership, right? And so really saw a world where folks were both really needing support 
right? Like wanting, needing support. And then also saw a, a you know, really big passion of mine. I started in the psychology world and, and eventually became a marketer. But this was kind of the intersection of all those things, business, psychology, um, having a bleeding heart for wanting to help people. <laughs> like kind of kind of all of those intersections all coming together. Yeah. So that's, I love that's a little bit about the story. Um, I've had a 20 year side hustle as a fitness coach. So I've been doing group fitness coaching. I coached Orange Theory. I coached the Les Mills world um, for a long so time. Cool. So cool. You're speaking yeah. our language. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I love yeah. it. Okay. A couple of things I want to, I want to dig into a little bit. You, you mentioned how so many entrepreneurs and so many people who are building brands, doing startup companies, all of that they don't feel, or they aren't fully equipped to step into those leadership roles in like, when you say fully equipped, how, let's unpack that a little bit. What does that look like? I think there's a few things, right? So we start with this nebulous term of leadership. Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> we have so many definitions, uh, so many assumptions, so much cultural stereotyping of what leadership is. And it mm-hmm. looks like something that I don't think is what we see as a modern entrepreneur, right. Yeah. And, and what we know to be really the skill set of that person. So I'm talking about the intersection of soft skills, those actual competencies in, in the role that were, that we're there to do. Um, and they're not soft skills. They're, they're emotional skills, right. They're social skills. They're the balance of the relationship side and then the task side and the personal side, like the interpersonal side of what becomes these like leadership competencies. And I think there's another layer too, that we have to understand what are our reactive tendencies in that role as a leader that really helps us to balance out, be our most effective selves. So in its simplest terms, it's a depth of self-awareness. It's a depth of development, like adult development, social, emotional development that, that we go through to say, I have a sense of what my strengths are. I have a sense of what my limitations are. And then I can look through this lens and be able to see how I'm going to impact relationships, the culture around me, the the weather around me, if you will. Ah, so good. So good. It's so interesting. And I'm going to ask you a couple of things on like how people find those strengths and how they really like uncover some of that stuff and raise their level of awareness around those things. But it's, it's interesting to look back because so many of our listeners, just a little background. So many of our listeners are building businesses online. They're leading teams. They're in the network marketing space, or they, they're building brands or whatever, but they're most of them are leading people. And it's so cool because as I think back I've been in this industry for nine years now. And when I started, I had some experience leading through sports, being a team captain. And, and I feel like it teaches you so much and you do learn some of those things, but then when you're leading someone in business, it's like you enter a whole nother arena. And as I look back over the years, when I look at just who I've grown to become as a leader it always stems back to you're just helping people and humans develop. You're helping them become who they're supposed to be They're You're helping them step into the next level of themselves, believe in themselves, grow. Like you're just locking arms and helping people grow as humans. And I feel like so many, oftentimes women, especially they do, they let that like societal, perspective of what a leader is and they're a dictator and they're a this and they're a, and they're a whatever, like they let that skew their view of like who they can be in leadership. And I want people to just kind of peel off that, that stigma for a sec and just go, how can I just develop humans? How can I strengthen relationships? How can I build trust and credibility and strong culture and, and in a, in a culture that's built around values and, and things that I believe in, like truly when you, when you dig into leadership, it's a very personal journey. And I want women to know that they have the permission to do it, how it feels best to them. So that was a lot with that, (laughs) where does someone go? Okay. Well, 
I am in this leadership role and I, I, I don't really know what my strengths are. I don't, I don't know where I'm falling short. I don't know where I can improve. Where are some like assessments or things that have kind of helped you or your clients really unpack some of that stuff? I start most folks, what I would call like leadership development 101 was, is with behavior. Yeah. So behavior is like not specifically, it's, it's how we do what we do and we can do leadership with strengths on all sides of behavior. We could be more extroverted. We could prefer a more reflective style. We can be more, what I would call like dominant, less dominant, more collaborative, more, um, structured, less structured, like all of those things. We can do leadership in any of those ways, in any of those styles. And what I think is helpful for folks to know is what is their style? What is, what's the behavior style that we're going to show up with? Because it's got great strength, right? And, and what we can know about that is that that's unique to us. That's, that's our preferred communication style. That's our preferred behavioral style. That may not be the styles of the folks around us, but it gives us a sense to say, here's who I am. And here's how I'm going to show up in the world. Here's how that may affect the folks around me. Just behaviorally yeah, yeah. <laughs> like observable from the outside. That's where I have folks start. I love it. And are there any, like, I know there's, there's personality tests, there's like quizzes and it's like, if someone wants to really dig into this stuff, where would you, where would you point them to first? I point them to disc and disc is like, it's a four color tool. There's lots of four color tools out there. I really like uh, a specific company. I work with an organization called TTI and they are like the originators of the digital version of the disc. And uh, I think what's so interesting about what they do is they are always adding to their information and they take these four colors now and have really turned it into a spectrum of behavior, which is really where we are, right? Like as a society, I think we have now the, the, the mindset to see the complexity that I am mm-hmm. likely going to be somewhere in a shade of gray on a behavioral spectrum, right? I may either be more direct or less direct or more collaborative, and that is all okay. There is strength on all sides of that. And so that's where I start folks, DISC and understanding the strengths and then sometimes the limitations of of our, our preferred style. Yeah. I think it's taking a quiz like that and like really understanding the personality types and the different things. It's so interesting because you think like, how in the heck can a quiz literally almost like put me in a box, but like know so much about me, like, how are they explaining me right now? Like, this is crazy, but it, it really is. It's so intriguing. And then the more you understand those things, the more, just the more awareness you have when you're dealing with your clients, your team, the people around you, and you see things come up and you're like, okay, this makes sense. They're responding to this situation because this is how they are, or this is how they're viewing it. Or this is, this is like how they see things. It's just, it's so valuable to understand this stuff. This is why I'm so obsessed with framework. I love these lenses to look through, right? It really does make such a difference. And it helps us to step back. I love that I can step back and zoom out and see if I'm in conflict or there's a place where I may be bumping into another person. How does our behavioral preference show up in that scenario? If I am somebody in which I am, I'm going to raise my hand and say, I am definitely somebody who's lower in compliance, right? That means like, I can think big picture. I like autonomy. Hence why I'm an entrepreneur. And, and I, and I like to live out here in some of the big picture. If somebody's pressing me for detail and process and narrowing me into what feels like micromanagement, Ooh, girl can get real uncomfortable, <laughs> right? Like get me out of this box, yeah. right? Like don't narrow me I in. I feel that. <laughs> right? I figure, I figure. So, yeah. And that's really helpful for folks to know, right? Like, oh, this is how it might feel. I might get real stubborn if somebody tries to, to kind of rein me in. Yeah, helpful. I love it. I love it so much. You talked, you talked a little bit about kind of being able to pull the lens back and like view things. We had a conversation before we started recording about how, we're our own worst critic. And so many people just get in their head and they, and they have their, their inner mean girl and all of the things that, that you're hearing. 
how, what's helped you most when you're hearing the thoughts or you're hearing the negativity, what's helped you most to detach yourself from those, from the, that's not your identity. That's not who you are. Like let's, let's just chat about that for a sec. Yeah. I think really boils down to a skill that I would call labeling and learning it through mindfulness, meditation, whatever the right practices for, for the individual. But for me, it was meditation and having a meditation practice daily, uh, and being able to zoom out and label thoughts as they came to my mind, right. As my brain did what it does, which is think and being able to zoom out and label thoughts as thoughts, and then be able to stand back, pause, oh, my brain is doing this thinking right now. My brain had the thought X or Y. My brain had the thought and then applied a whole bunch of story to a thought. And then I can move forward with action, inaction, reaction, right? Whatever the next step is. But that pause and the being able to really, really step back and zoom out and label thoughts as thoughts, not facts, was really, really important really important, like life-saving in a lot of ways for me, life-changing in a lot of ways. That's so powerful. And I think such a good reminder, um, that every one of us is experiencing those thoughts, no matter where we're at on our journey, every single day, you have those thoughts and every single day you get to decide what you do with them. And that is what changes your entire life is that those couple seconds after you have the thought, it's what you do with it. And so I love that. Is there, is there like a resource or a book or anything that taught you kind of this understanding and helped you through that? Yeah, I have so many. I mean, I'm, I'm a, a loyal headspacer. I have been for, I don't know, probably eight, seven, eight years now, probably. Um, I love a workbook, uh, called mind over mood. Um, Ooh, nice. that really helpful. They really helped me understand the idea of hot thoughts and helping to take a hot thought and break it into facts that support the thought and then facts that do not support the thought. That idea, oh my gosh, like so eye-opening for me in finding objectivity versus subjectivity of what's happening in my brain. And even, you know, my thoughts about myself, like whatever we've made up to be our facts or truth, it's been so helpful to break that apart. I love it. Mind over mood. Yeah. Okay, cool. So cool. I hear, I mean, this is one that I hear so often. So anytime we can give these, our listeners some really tangible, okay, if this is you go take action on it, dig into this, um, the better. I love it. You talk about how self-kindness is an underutilized tool. What do you mean by that? For the folks listening. And I think, you know, you're, you're probably in this as well as am I like high achieving women, we, from my experience and also the research I have from working with my clients, we have a sense that if we push and continue to be this driver of self, that we are going to achieve more. And my challenge for folks is that there is a benefit to that drive and it gets us to a certain level and it still is a reactive tendency versus what could be sustainable productivity and sustainable productivity happens with kindness along for the ride as well. I love it. Yeah, I think, and I think we get in this cycle where we have this drive, we have this fire and it's the, I encourage folks to look at it as like a gift, potentially an overutilized resource right? Like if we do it too many times, it becomes a liability, drive, 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 drive. And we, if we can't sit next to like, I imagine sitting down on the stoop next to like my, my most compassionate best friend, right. Who's going to kind of snuggle you in and be like, can you give yourself a break? And that's kindness, right? That's compassion. That's the person that we need because it, because drive only gets us so far and, and can tax us really can, can be the thing that leads us to burnout and, and kindness going with us along for the ride creates room for inconsistency, right? Cause we're not always going to be in drive mode with our mm-hmm. foot all the way down. Um, it gives us the capacity to forgive ourselves when we go off track and have to get 
you know, stand back up. Kindness is the, the cheerleader in, in, the, in the meaningful way to stand back up when we get knocked down, right? Like not the harsh critic who's like banging on the mat in front of you, get up, but instead like, I love you, get back up, right? I love this, then- yeah. I've never <laughs> even looked at it this way, but it makes so much sense because when people get stuck or they do experience a season of slowing down or even stopping or whatever, they do. They'll stay stuck so much longer if they're operating, operating from a headspace of judgment, critic, um, disappointment, all of those things versus having, just like you said, I love how you said kindness is like your, your cheerleader, like, okay, you had a season, give yourself grace, learn from this and let's go. Like, let's get back up. You can do this. You still have goals and dreams. You still have what it takes. You took a little break, like jump back in. I hear all the time, um, especially in my industry, like I've kind of like taking a break for a little bit and I don't even know where to start again. And I'm like, what do you mean? You don't know where to start again. Of course you do. You know, all the things like it's just jumping back in, but that's like the perfect representation of what happens when you're not carrying your kindness. You're not carrying that piece of you with you. You're, you're holding yourself back in huge ways. So I just love how you, you're like, no, we need more of this. Like we need to remember that this is a part of our journey too. I just love that. You mentioned compassion and consistency. You mentioned compassion and consistency um, as keys to really unlock behavior change. And behavior change, I feel like, is what success. Sometimes we don't look at success as behavior change. We look at it as the outcome, the strategy, the whatever. But when I look back at people who are experiencing massive success, it's generally because they've first experienced massive behavior change, right? It's habits, it's disciplines, it's mindset shifts. It's all of those things that then drive, drive the outcome, drive the success. So what does that look like when you say compassion and consistency are keys to that? I think it's very similar to what we talked about in, in kindness, but the basic basis of it is that if we want to get to behavior change, there are stages to it, right? Mm. There's a stage where we are like pre-consideration, then we're making the change. We're taking steps in that direction. And there are different elements that we need along the way, right? We need enough reason to start. We need to then have the support that we need, the reinforcement, those positive reinforcement pieces, and then the ongoing place where we can get reinforcement. We can get community. We get all of this. We get internal and external reinforcement of, of the behavior. What can also happen is we start looking for taking a quick TV type out to make sure that you guys know that I have some free goodies for you. So as a listener, I just want to show my appreciation and thank you so much for showing up weekly to hear from the guests that we have to take just all of these nuggets away and apply them into your life. I want to celebrate you. And in order to do that, I also want to make sure that you're getting value that is relevant to where you're at in your life. So in order to get the freebies, go to micafolsomfit.com slash DYC for do your crap, micafolsomfit.com slash DYC. And you can put in your email there and get access to the goodies. You will get a 50% off promo code to any of my mini workshops. And you will also get a freebie depending on what you want, whether you're a mom that wants to experience more joy in life that needs help on her health journey, wants tips and nuggets and value and motivation, whether you're a business owner that's trying to work through some mindset stuff and feel confident in what you have and how you want to serve, or whether you're in the network marketing space and you really want to gain confidence around recruiting, around onboarding, around mentoring your team, I have a free goodie for you. So make sure you go to that link, grab it. And that will also get you access to my weekly emails where I send inspiration, motivation, nuggets, value, things that I'm learning, things that I'm teaching. And I just want to be that voice in your back pocket that on the weeks that are hard on the weeks that you're just not feeling it. Maybe that email pops through and you go, okay, 
Thanks, Micah. I got this. Thanks for the reminder. That is what my weekly emails are for because we all need that positive voice that we should carry around with us everywhere. So go get on the list, go grab your freebie and let's get back to the show. Reasons to start going backward. Oh, I missed one day. Right. And that is enough to like send us into like, you know, relapse or reverting back to our ways. And Mm -hmm. what I mean by consistency and compassion is the consistency to, if I didn't do it today, I'm going to do it tomorrow, right? Not let more than a few days pass. And then the compassion to say, it's not perfect. I am not perfect. And I will still go forward anyway. And I think like you said, if we get knocked down, if we get off course, if we miss and do the thing that we were like, oh, I might do X or Y and go backward a little bit, but that's the place where we stop versus encourage ourselves with consistency, with compassion to go forward anyway and, and reinforce, right? That's where there that's where we find positivity. That's where we find some of this external community like you've gathered, right? For folks to help us get those good dopamine hits that we need that support us moving in the right direction. We're taking a quick time out because it's the time of the month when I'm bringing on my next few clients to help you get started on your gut health journey. The deeper I get into this and my own journey, the more I just want to scream it from the rooftops because I feel so much better. And on a monthly basis, we have client results rolling in better sleep, more energy, skin issues, clearing up. Um, moodiness, lifting lack, like way less bloat, obviously weight loss is a byproduct, just so many incredible things and people feeling so empowered on their health journey. Again, if you've ever felt frustrated because the weight isn't coming off, the things aren't improving, you're waking up feeling one way and going to bed, feeling six months pregnant. You're not alone. Those are things that people are dealing with on a very consistent basis and just kind of writing off of like, this is what it is, but it doesn't need to be that way. And it can, a lot of it is stemming from your gut health. So if you are interested in learning more about this, go to micafolsomfit.com slash gut, and you can learn about the program, fill out the form. If you want to get started with me, but this is a life-changing program. It's four weeks. You eliminate the most um, allergenic foods, the foods that most people have the most sensitivities to you feel you then reintroduce those things and see how you feel and see how your body responds. And then you have an exact game plan, what your body needs, how your microbiome is and what foods it needs and what it doesn't. So it's just, ah, it's so good. So if you're ready to really elevate your health and feel your absolute best go to that link. Let's have a conversation and we can get you started with an exact simple game plan. MichaelFolsomFit.com slash gut. See you there. Yeah. I love that. I feel like consistency is like the unsexiest, most essential part of success in anything. It's like, nobody wants to hear that. What does it take to reach your health goals? What does it take to experience success in business? What does it take to blah, blah, blah? Consistency, consistency. Like that's just a, an essential part of the equation. And I think when you talk about it like that, when you're like consistency with compassion, that is beautiful because I feel like when the compassion is missing, that's when the consistency is nearly impossible because you, you can't show up just like I kind of mentioned earlier, you can't show up consistently with a judgmental headspace and a, in a, in in a way that you're like, okay, you did this, you failed, you're off, you suck, you, this, like nobody wants to then show back up and try it again because it really didn't feel good when you fell off. So like when you do consistency with compassion, it's not if you fall off, it's when things start to like slow down or you, you jump off for a sec. When that happens, you're like, okay, remember these things you still want? You still want those. So let's just jump back on. Let's jump back on and, and show up for another choice, another day, another baby step. Like that is where the magic happens in anything. It's just that, that those baby steps and just staying on the path. <laughs> 
Are there, um, are there certain habits in your day? I'm like super obsessed with habits. I feel like they're the easiest way to experience success. Um, when you don't have to force yourself to do the things anymore, they just become a part of who you are. They become a part of what you do. They become a part of like, you don't have to think about them anymore. Are there any sort of habits in your life that you can pinpoint and go, these have been monumental for me. Like these little things have made huge differences for me. What would those be? Yeah, there's, I'm really obsessed with habit too. And I'm always like tweaking and looking for new. And like, I think this is one of my superpowers is that even if I have something that's working, I'm still like learning and trying to find new stuff and optimizing. And this is like the data nerd that in me that is still looking for this kind of information. Um, But yes, so many. So, I mean, definitely mindfulness meditation. That's a really, really big one. Um, I do that six, seven days a week, like as often every morning, I, that's part of my routine. And again, I think like you, like very morning focused, very much spending that time being intentional in the early parts of the day. I walk three miles, um, every day. Nice. That's part of my to getting in a rhythm, finding headspace, taking a break from all of the things. Um, that one's been really, really helpful. Like even in, you know, nasty Seattle winter to go outside, right? Yeah. Like that really, and I live amongst the trees and get to like forest bathe daily. It's amazing. Um, so those are like my baselines. I've been in fitness for a really long time. So just movement in general, I think the, the next and probably most recent one was finding uh, an intuitive eating path that worked for me, an intuitive eating process that really worked for me and helped to unlock, I think, a lot of old judgment and a lot of old kind of tension between mm. what I was doing on a day-to-day, like, you know, you, we need to eat many, many times a day and being able to find peace around what I choose to like put in my body and fuel and, and having a lot, a lot of peace there and release of, of a lot of anxiety and tension has been game changer. I love that. I'm, I'm a firm believer in intuitive eating and really, as far as nutrition goes, giving yourself so much grace to just truly learn about yourself, learn, like, I I know you're like a a data, what like geek or whatever you call it. That is like one of the things that I feel like lots of, this is kind of getting off topic, but it's fine. We're going there. One of the things that I feel like so many women struggle with as far as like health and wellness is the number on the scale, right? It can control them. It can dictate how they feel. The second they wake up, they step on the scale and it's either a good day or a bad day, depending on what that number says. And I'm like, oh, that makes me so sad for you. As far as data goes on your health journey, it's merely that it's data. It's let's learn from it. It's let's, let's learn if the scale went up. Why, why did it go up? What did I eat yesterday? How did I sleep? What is my stress level? Like, it's like this whole journey through life. Like we have got to give ourselves so much more grace and compassion and understanding and time to learn and unpack and discover what makes us feel good. What doesn't what's working for us. What's not like when I think intuitive eating, that is like what essentially everybody should go on a journey to discover what foods work for your body. What doesn't what you need, like paying attention to why you're choosing certain foods in certain situations. Like it's such a beautiful journey. And I feel like so many women are so boxed into data as far as like the number on the scale has to go down. And if it doesn't this, and I have to count these calories and I have to do this and this, and it's like, no wonder you hate health. No wonder you hate the idea of losing weight and of, of trying to improve. It's like, you've, you've given yourself so much angst about it, that it's just like not an enjoyable process. Can you just kind of dig into your intuitive eating journey a little bit? And like, how did you get on this path? And what has that been like for you? I have experienced, um, autoimmune disease since I was young and I spent a lot of time trying to unlock the cycle of whatever, you know, doctors were pushing me towards. And I think I went through a lot of, not, I think I went through a lot of medical trauma around Mm. trying to solve for 
what was happening in my immune system with food, right? And in a process that was incredibly um, restrictive, right? So we're abstaining, we're taking things out down to like as narrow of a focus. As, and this is my journey. Like this yeah, is yeah. very, and, and this is, this is not the, you know, I, this is not to say that anyone who's going through this journey is on the wrong path. This was just my path where my scope got too narrow. Right. And, and I was down a path of there being just not enough flexibility and what I found so helpful. And I, and I even use this in working with clients where I found a way to have an additive, like an additive approach to my world where I was adding things back in. Right. And the process becomes, how do we add joy? How do we add pleasure? How do we get to a point where this whole process is about adding things in versus taking things out, right? Not like I really, I really look for that. And that really helped me to see like adding in a vegetable that like was not a part of my like repertoire at the time, adding in all kinds of stuff, like from like Oreos to like, and I'm like legit Oreos, right? Like all the way from Oreos to bananas, because those had become something that had been not on my radar for a long time. Right. And like making peace with almond butter, like just all of these things, right. That, that had become even the stuff that I found was supplemental protein bars, right? Like those I took away for a while. Cause like, Oh, I don't want, but like I am a busy entrepreneur and sometimes a girl needs a protein bar down her gullet to like, keep going, you know? Yeah. And so there, it was all of this. It was finding a way to add things in where nothing was scary anymore. I love right. It. Like French fries to, you know, the greenest of green salads, like all of it was included and softening what I found to be my hard edges really helped. I love that so much. I love this so much because I think so often it happens that over time you start to look at food, especially as like good and bad, that's good food. And that's bad food. And when I eat bad food, I'm a bad person. And when I'm a bad person, that that's going to make you spiral and eat even more and binge and do all the things. And it's like healing our relationship with food is one of the things that I am so passionate about because it literally like how you, what you eat is how you feel and how you feel is how you do in life. That is how you are as a human is like how you feel. And so really doing the work, like just the, take the journey to unpack, to do the hard work of like, what is my story? What is going on? Why do I do these things? Like allow yourself to get curious about it all, because that's when you can approach it from a non-judgmental place. I'm not bad for doing this. I'm not bad for liking this food. I'm not, this isn't a bad food. Like you start to give yourself grace and, and understanding of what's going on. And then you can make choices based on the goals you have, based on the way you want to feel based on true health, actually understanding what your body wants and needs and not just like coping and covering up and grabbing things out of emotion. And it's like, ah, oh, I feel like almost every single woman probably has a journey to take to really do some unpacking in this department. <laughs> Defining peace. Yeah. We need food, right? And like to find peace, which I think you know, so many of us are looking for at the highest level, right? We want to be like peaceful, fulfilled, right? Live happy, long lives. And a lot of that comes from, I think for some of us finding some peace in that. Absolutely. I totally agree. All right. That was a little side note, but our, (laughs) our listeners are lots of women. So I'm sure that there's so many who are like, Oh wait, hold on. That's me. That's how I feel. Um, so I'm glad we kind of took that detour for a sec. Um, as we kind of wrap it up a little bit, we'll kind of come back to leadership and speak directly to the woman who has the aspiration to lead people, to build an empire, to build a team, to make an impact, to truly help just lead the masses and do something that right now she might feel unqualified to do. 
what would you say to her and how would you help her through some of those like limiting stories that are definitely keeping her stuck? Yeah. So I, one of the ways that I help folks the most is by looking at data, right? Like we talked about, I'm kind of, I'm kind of a data nerd in this way. And because of my background, I think in, in decision-making in business using information, right? I worked in digital marketing and we had access to lots of information. I, I tried to really help folks see as objectively as we can, some information about ourselves. So I, I look to data. I use tools. I use a tool called the Leadership Circle Profile specifically because it really helps us to see those creative competencies, right? Are the data around our strengths and then the data around some of our limiting assumptions. And it helps us to find information like, are we more likely to comply or protect or control at different times? If we've got fear, if we've got assumption, if we've got internal story coming up, what's our, what's our likely path forward? And then how do we become our best selves? How do we lean into those areas where we have strength in relationship or strength in our inner awareness or strength in focusing on the big vision, the task, right? Like the achieving side of what we're, we're looking to build. And so I go to information, right? Like I look for us, particularly if we've got some postery thoughts happening, if we've got some of these, this limit that's telling us I'm not meant for this, I go, let's go get some information. Let's go gather some data, some objective data about where you have strength. So that's one of the tools. That's one of the places that I'll that I'll guide folks is to go get some information here and, and rely on something other than that, that potential kind of critic bully, whatever we want to give it. And you call the inner mean girl who's given us a load of crap, right? Yeah. Who's telling is like being run by fear um, or, or really holding us back when there's there's more information out there that can get us moving forward, right? With that, like happier, supportive cheerleader to say some kind stuff, like the yeah. facts and, yeah. and realities. I love that. And as far as data goes, um, I think it's so powerful. And just, this is just a reminder, data in business is absolutely essential. It's not right, wrong, or indifferent. It is just factual. It is not tied to anything, not tied to your self-worth. It is just facts that you can then look at and make some decisions from. And I feel like lots of people use data as proof to like, like prove their limiting stories true. So if they look at data or if they look at outcomes and then they don't hit the numbers, they don't achieve the thing, they are a failure. They are. And it's like tied to their worth. And I think data, especially for women who are so emotional is scary sometimes. And they're, they don't want to look at numbers. They don't want to be told, Hey, maybe these are some benchmarks that are going to help you move forward. They're going to help you reach your goals. And they go, I don't want to do numbers. I just want to, I just want to do this. That feels good. But that in and of itself is literally killing your goals because then you have no frame of reference to improve upon. So as far as numbers go, I want to talk about that specifically. How can an entrepreneur in any industry use the facts, use the data, use the numbers to continue to grow and like as information and not just as a marker of like their self-worth. Oh my gosh, that's so big. Okay. So <laughs> I have so many things to say about that. I'm like, Oh, how do I even get, how do I even get articulate about this? A couple of things. One, what I think folks can do to start with is to build a skill set around the emotion that are keeping them from being scared of the numbers. That's like, that's in some ways the biggest job Yeah, because the numbers are going to be there. It's our reaction to the numbers that is actually holding us back. So all of the skills that we've talked about already, right? Like having a sense of, is this a trigger for me? When I look at the numbers, is it shame that I'm experiencing? And what are my tools or embarrassment or any of these kind of envy, grief, right? Any of the judgment, like what is, what is happening? What's my experience? What are my emotions? So then I can know how to get through 
those emotions and be able to objectively hold the space to look at the numbers. I think that's yeah. as a, as a starting point, let's start mm-hmm. with the emotions around it first and build skills around that. This is like one of my favorite things to do is to really zoom out and say the numbers aren't scary. It's our emotions that we experience and the discomfort that we experience. And then the way that we re- react that, that I think really scares people, right? Like it's, yeah. it's a lot of big feelings, like the same thing we probably tell, you know, our kids or people around us, like you can have the big feelings. It's just having, it's having the skill set to know what to do with them. Right. I love the it. numbers shut the computer, go for a walk, right? Like get it out. <laughs> so I love it. That's first. And then I apply a very important word called yet to mm. all of these discussions, right? Where we say this, I have, I have a client that I can think of like who's, who used a mantra that I love. I have no intention of giving up. Like the numbers turned on her mantra that said, if I haven't done it, and if we look at the numbers together in three months, it really doesn't matter because I have no intention of giving up. Like, boom, right? Like that is, that's the mindset that says, this is just information and I can take with it, move through it. And if I haven't gotten there, I haven't gotten there yet. And so those like, those are my, those are my go-tos. You know, more of the specifics, I think it really depends on the business. Like how do we dig in and tell us what, what is that? what are the, what are the indicators that are giving us a sense of moving in the right direction? Is it revenue? Is it team size? Is it X, Y? And, and then we can start to see for, for individuals and their businesses, what are really the metrics that we're looking to move? That would be the kind of the next step. I think for folks is really getting specific on a couple numbers that you focus on and letting the rest be the rest. I love it. So without like going into every single industry, how essential as a business owner is it to have metrics, to have benchmarks, to have things that you can kind of base your action and your activity and your growth on and versus just kind of like, we'll see, we'll see what happens. We'll see, we'll see where it goes. Like, what is the difference in the two entrepreneurs that are, one is using metrics to grow and to kind of level up. And the other is not, and is scared of them. What's kind of the course for these two? (laughs) Well, there's so much in between. And I, and I think for some folks, the, the out, the outcome being revenue, profit, some of those elements really isn't what motivates them. And what we can do is say, that doesn't have to be what motivates you. It can be a metric for what the business's objective is, which for most folks is to, in some way, be, make money, right? Be for sure, yeah. Right, and and it doesn't have to be what motivates you. What motivates you could be how many folks you've helped, some other number that is that is qualitative, how you feel. But the quantitative part of it is the objective part that says, does this or doesn't this make money? And that doesn't have to be. That, that is not right or wrong. It, it could be, it doesn't have to make money. If it doesn't need to make money for you and it's something that you're passionate about and invested in, that is totally okay. The question of knowing, does it, does it not? It's again, it's just information. I so that. I think for either, for either, for either individual, like does this need to make money for you? You get to decide, uh, but either way you have the info. I love it. And, and it's just information. It's just information so that you can then, kind of course correct and figure out what you want to do with it. Make decision from a place of objectivity, right? Can we make decision with information? I love it. I love it. Okay, Jen, where, where can people get connected with you? Where can they find more stuff about working with you or what you do? All of the fun stuff. Yeah. So I am at Hey Jen Hope, H-E-Y-J-E-N-H-O-P-E on Instagram, my website, HeyJenHope.com. Those are the main places for folks to find me. If you're over on LinkedIn, come say hi. I'm there too. Hey Jen Hope. I love it. All right, you guys, if you found some nuggets in this, if you have found value, share it with us on Insta, tag her at Hey Jen Hope, tag me at Micah Folsom Fit. Jen, thanks for hanging out. I loved our conversation. I'm super glad we took a detour into nutrition. That was fun. So thanks for being open to where we went. And I hope to have you back on the show sometime. 
That'd be awesome. Thank you. You bet. All right, you guys have a good week. Wrapping up another episode. And I just want to thank you for sticking around before you head out. I would love to hear from you. It would mean the world to me. If you left this podcast, a quick review, wherever you're listening from. And if you got some nuggets from the message today, don't forget to share it with your friends, your team, and your Instagram story so that anyone else who needs it can find it too. And be sure to tag me at Micah Folsom fit so that I can shout you out and share your page with my friends. Thanks for hanging. Now let's go take action on those goals and dreams because if you can feel it in your heart and see it in your head, then you can hold it in your hand. So until next time, go do your crap. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.